0: word for you today. Y'all ready for the word? In, in the book of John chapter 20 is an account of the resurrection. John chapter 20 we'll start reading in verse 1. It says early on the first day of the week. Any morning people out there? Like, like, like how early? This is, this is how early Mary was. While it was still dark Anybody still dark morning, people? It's like a couple of you are like, yeah. Uh, I'm ki- I actually am kind of like that. Uh, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple. This is interesting to note. This is the book of John written by John. And so he, some people believe that he was, he was humble. I, that's not my belief. Uh, so he doesn't mention his name, but you actually get... You'll, you'll get the picture. He says uh, he's the and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple, they started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. And re- this is like John's like this is like a humble brag. Like I don't know who it was, but this guy was incredible. He outran he outran Peter to the tomb. He bent over and looked in the strip in the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter caught up, and he came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, by the way, also went inside. He saw, while the others doubted, he believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus Had to, didn't just want to, he had to rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. Now, listen to this. But she didn't realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Pause. Pause. Just because just I love you, I'm going to give you some marriage advice um, real quick, okay? We don't have any record that Jesus was married. And um, if you're in 2021 and you are married, I'm going to give you some words to never say. Okay? Woman, why are you crying is like top on the list, Okay? <laughs> I know we just read that in the Holy Word, but just just let experience just tell you that is not, that's not words you should use. Who is it you are looking for? Thinking, now listen to this, thinking he was the gardener. She said, that's a bad misrepresentation. It's like Jesus, the Savior of the world, It's like, are you the gardener? I love gardeners, by the way. Nothing against them. Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. I want to speak just for a couple minutes uh, in our time together from our subject that we've been talking about. Never, never too late. Never too late. Aren't you just grateful that with God, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've encountered, no matter what mistakes you've made, no matter what ups and downs you've encountered in your life, that it's never too late for the grace of God to reach us right where we're at. I am so grateful for God's grace. I was, um, I was on Facebook the other day, which doesn't happen very often because I'm not on Facebook. I don't have an account. I don't go on Facebook. That's like the devil's playground out there. Ain't going near But I wanted to see how many of you were coming to our event. Some of y'all are on. Facebook. And so I got on the event. I was looking at, and, and, and somebody was making comments because they were trying to register, but it was sold out. There was no room. And uh, somebody was kind of getting smart in the comments. They said, uh, they said, well, I guess some things are too late. Touche. Like, Touche. When we're talking about never too late, we understand there are some things that are too late. Like, like if you don't pay your mortgage I don't want you to come to church today on Easter Sunday, go home and think it's never too late. I'll get it in a couple years. All right, you're going to be foreclosed on. Uh, that's not good. That's not good. I, I remember Jamie was late on something that was supposed to be happening after we had our first son and very short to having our second son, and we're waiting and waiting, and, and then she's pregnant, and now we have Genesis. So some things, you know, it's just too late. It happened, and now we have two boys. I mean, that's just, those things, those things happen. But I'm grateful that when it comes to your purpose, when it comes to the plan of God, when it comes to his promises for you and for your life, it is, friends, it's never too late. I don't care if you're old. I don't care if you've seen a lot, been through a lot. It is never too late for the grace of God to reach into your situation and to turn it around. I think that in 2021 and in the the state that our world is in, our culture is in, what we've encountered for even the last 14 months, 12 months, however long it's been, it, there's been a lot of disappointment. I'm talking to people and people are more disappointed, discouraged than I've ever seen as just life seems to hit them over and over and over again. And isn't that what it is? It's, it's not so much disappointment. It's, it's, it's the consistent disappointment, right? Anybody can handle a storm for a day. It's the storm, and then the storm on top of the storm, and then the other storm, and then the, the, all the storm. I mean, it's just all of it. Consistent disappointment will lead to perpetual discouragement. How do people get discouraged? It's consistent disappointments. After you've lost so many times, after you feel hurt so many times, it leaves you in a state of discouragement. And friends, this is where Mary is in, te- in, the, in our text, John chapter 20, and this is not Mary the mother of Jesus. So if you read that and you thought, oh, this is Jesus' mom. That's why she's crying. This is not that Mary. This is Mary Magdalene. The Bible teaches us Mary had seven demons, all right, and Jesus cast them all out. So, I mean, this, this, this woman had some, uh, we say, critters on board. And she was traveling with neighbors. I mean, like, it, it's, it's, this, is, uh, this is not just Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene. So she's there. She's grateful for every, I mean, I, 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 even one demon is like, ooh, yeah, you got some demons. Like, But can you imagine seven? Jesus is like on number five, and he's like, hold on, everybody. Nobody move. Two more. And I was like, all right, wow, Mary, where'd you get these? And she gets set free. Think about how grateful she is to Jesus. I, I, w- I would just caution you, be careful when you judge how other people praise God or worship because you have no idea what God saved them from. For Mary, she was a radical worshiper. She was a radical lover of Jesus. But she was delivered from a life of pain and bondage. And you have no idea what God has rescued someone with. So when you see somebody dancing or jumping or shat, you have no idea what God has done in their life. Mary is disappointed. Consistent disappointments left her in a place of perpetual discouragement and now she's weeping outside the tomb of Jesus as I looked at this story I was praying this week I just realized there's some things if you're going to live a never too late life there's some things that you've got to get right there's there's some things you've got to get straight and we learned this from Mary in verse number 11 it said Mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept she bent over to look into the tomb so this is this this is what you got to know you got to look in the right place just just, just, just for, for food for thought here. If you're looking for Jesus and he rose from the dead, where would you look? I don't think I would look in the tomb. If I had the faith that he wasn't in the tomb anymore. I w- so Mary did not believe that Jesus had rose from the dead. Mary went back to the place that she had heard that he had been. This, ha- this happens in our faith all the time. We get stuck at places where we feel like God disappointed us or God was missing. You can go back to that season of your life where you felt like you couldn't place God and oftentimes your faith gets stuck right there. This is Mary. She's looking in the wrong place. She's looking in the dead place for a living God. Friends, you will always get what you're looking for. If you're looking in dead places for living things, It's not you're not gonna find it. You've gotta go to a living place. Let me say it this way. If you're looking for a comeback in your life, you cannot look for doubt. You cannot look in unbelief and believe for miracles and faith. You, in Luke chapter 24, it says this. Luke 24 verse five, it says, "In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men, the angels said to them, "Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen." Remember how he told you? While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. Now this is interesting because sometimes we think about the crucifixion and it's like the soldiers snuck up on Jesus. The devil's been planning this sneak attack. He finally has it arranged. He's got somebody to be a traitor, Judas. Like, oh, so he's got it ready. He's like, oh, here we go. And then Jesus got tricked and got arrested and got crucified. And God's like, oh, no. But Jesus, as he walks the earth... He told the disciples what was about to happen. I'll show you Mark chapter 8, verse 31. He says, he then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And after three days, rise again. If you're the disciples, you're, you're there and you're like, wow, that's intense, Jesus. That's, that's a lot. But Jesus didn't stop. Next chapter, chapter 9. He says, because he was teaching his disciples, he said to them again, the Son of Man is going to be delivered... Into the hands of men, they will kill him. And after three days, he will rise. Super intense, Jesus. We already got it the first time, but yeah, they're going to kill you. You're going to rise. He says next chapter. Mark chapter 10. We're going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Now he's getting specific. Who will mock him, who will spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And then three days later, he will rise. Now, I don't know if I'm reading into the situation or not, but I'm thinking after Jesus told me that many times, and then Jesus gets handed over to the Gentiles, and then he gets flogged, and then they spit on him, and then they mock him, and then they kill him, just like Jesus had just told me that was about to happen. What I would have done is I would have went and got a lawn chair, and I would have sat it right outside the tomb. Because he already told me what was going to happen. And the soldiers all bad to the bone standing there. And I would just make fun of them for three straight days. I mean, they, they're just standing there thinking like, nobody's getting out of here. Nobody. Does. And I would just stand there. I would just, I would just be, I'd be sipping my Topo Chico watching them. <laughs> and thinking this is going to be good because Jesus told us over and over and over again, this is, about, this is what's about to happen. Three days later, I'm coming out of the tomb. But that is not the situation that we see in the scripture. It says the disciples scattered and Mary is weeping at the tomb. She didn't come to see if Jesus had risen. She came to anoint his dead body. She came back to have closure on the disappointment of her life. The Jesus that was promised to be the Savior, the Jesus that had promised to heal her and really had set her free, now laid dead in a tomb. And she came to anoint his memory, and he wasn't even there. So if you're going to have a comeback in your life, if you're going to live never too late, you have to make sure that you look in the right place. If she was looking for Jesus and really thought he was alive, she should have looked around the city. She should have looked somewhere else than the tomb. The tomb. I found this from the text as well in verse 13. It says, they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. Let me just say this. i got to look in the right place, but I also have to be careful that I don't cry too soon. When you're dealing with God, this God of second chances, when you're dealing with the God of the universe, you got to be really careful that you don't cry too soon. I found this to be true, a bad response to a temporary situation could cost you your miracle. Wow. Yeah, the, what that means is I'm making an assumption based on the season I'm in about my future. Wow. I, I go through a bad year and now I think my life's going to be bad. I have a bad day and now I think my entire life is going to be bad. I had a bad moment and now I think the entire life is going to be cursed. A bad response to a temporary situation could cost you your miracle. Let me, let me say it this way. Because we can't see tomorrow... We make assumptions based on what we can see today. So for many of us, as we walk through life and disappointment hits us, discouragement hits us, we, we, don't, we don't think it's going to be better tomorrow. We don't think it's, too, not, it's never too late. We don't think God's going to turn around. We see what we see. And because of what we see today, we make assumptions about tomorrow. Well, it's like this today. It's probably always going to be like this. I've looked for Jesus and I could not find him. This is what Mary's this is Mary's experience. Have you ever been in a situation where you looked for God and it felt like you couldn't find him? It 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 wasn't because God was was trying to hide from her. It wasn't because Jesus was had his body had been stolen. Jesus had risen. He told her he was risen. She was just looking in the wrong spot, and listen to this, and crying too soon. You you, you have to be really careful when God is working in your life and it seems like God is not working in your life to not put a period where God puts a comma, to not have a conclusion to the story when God just says, I'm going to bring you into another chapter. Many of you have had bad chapters. You just need another chapter. This is the grace of God. This is the goodness of God is that in him you get another chapter. You don't have to have a conclusion on a bad season and just say, my life is bad. There is another opportunity and another chance. And I would just say this is, you have to be careful to stop living in yesterday. To, to stop grieving at the tomb of where your dream died, where your marriage died, where your family suffered. Where you, you have to be careful. Mary went back to the place and she grieved what was. And if you're always crying about what was, you will never be able to step into what is. God's doing something now. Some people have had some, had some bad seasons. You've had some bad chapters. We've had some ups and some downs. But God's doing something right now. Bible says he's doing a new thing. Can you not perceive it? Do you not understand? He's doing something brand new. But you will never experience the newness of what God's doing if you're grieving The loss of yesterday's battle. Mary's grieving at the tomb. She's crying too soon. And verse 14 says, At this she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. So this is really important. You you have to recognize the miracle. You you, you have to recognize. Jesus comes up to her. She's weeping. I mean, disciples are running around everywhere. It says Mary ran to the tomb. It says Peter and John ran. I mean, people are running everywhere. Mary's crying now, and Jesus is like, hey, guys. And she looks back, and she doesn't recognize him. She thinks, can, can I just help you? with when, when God's doing something in your life, oftentimes you'll never recognize his hand because you didn't expect his hand to be there. If, 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 you, if you never expected a miracle to happen oftentimes you can miss your miracle because you've already shut the door in your mind to that possibility. So because she had assumed that Jesus was dead and that his body had been stolen, when Jesus showed up, she said, it must be the gardener. She had to draw a conclusion in her frame of context of what was possible. And because she didn't think it was possible for Jesus to be alive, she dismissed her miracle and misidentified him as the gardener. I'm gonna tell you this sometimes there are miracles that are waiting in your life, they're waiting in, 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 in everyday life, they're waiting in your situation. And because you don't even think it's possible for God to come through that way or work that way, you dismiss it and you can miss, you can miss your miracle. Be careful that you don't think God isn't answering just because it happened at a different time and in a different way than you expected. But I think we have to be careful with Mary just because in these days, death for them was final. It was absolute. For us, we talk about the afterlife, and we talk about heaven, and we talk about hell. But for them, death was final. So what Mary was grieving was not only the loss of Jesus, her Savior, who had set her free, but it was, it was over. It was the conclusion of this time. It was the conclusion of three years of ministry where Jesus was raising the dead, healing the sick, cleansing the leper. It, it, it's over. And death was final. And I think this is really important, that to be able to understand How God's grace works—that it's never too late in our day-to-day life. We actually have to understand what God did on the cross to conquer death. So, so now I I got some guys. Come on and help me up. Help me real quick. This is what we're gonna do. We're, We're gonna we're gonna mash up as we close. We're gonna mash Sunday school lesson with a theological lecture. All right. It's a mashup. You ready? This is this is this is a this is a balloon. That's all. This is a flat balloon. And uh, it has no power, it has no air, it doesn't float, it's ugly. It's just been in my pocket here, it's a little sweaty as well. <laughs> it's a balloon. This, this, this is the truth for each and every one of us. It is, Hebrews 9 tells us, it is appointed for each of us to die. It's inevitable. And someday, no matter how healthy you are, no matter how fit you are, at some point, you're going to die. That's just what, that's what the Bible teaches us. And in Mary's day, death was so foreboding and so, they were so afraid of death because of the finality. Now this is the truth, is that God actually introduced death to the world. In the book of Genesis, back Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve are there, they've been created, and, and this is what God says, he says, if you eat of this tree, then you will surely die. So death is introduced for the very first time by God. Now, at this point, nobody feared death. Adam and Eve weren't afraid of death because they were in perfection. They were living in perfection. The only way that death got power was if there was sin that was attached to it. Sin is the fuel of death. If there is no disobedience, if there is no sin, then death can't harm you. Which means this, if you were sinless, death could have no hold on you. But after Adam and Eve sinned, sin came into the world. So these guys, come forward just a little bit, they represent humanity. And this balloon, it represents death. The air, the helium inside of it, it represents sin. That sin is attached to each of these guys because they are, they represent humanity and humanity has fallen. They have sin. So they gotta walk through life with their decisions, with their mistakes. With their regrets and those are attached. You can't just let it go. Oh, that that didn't happen. No, they did it. They're sinners. Look at them. (laughs) They're sinners. And because sin has fueled death, they will die, and they will be separate from God. That's just how. Because God, holy God, can't coexist with sinful man. It's just there's no coexistence there. It cannot happen. So. I'll, I'll just read it to you like this. Death was created without power. Sin brought death to life. Death was given power by sin. You tracking? Yes. The power of death is sin. The key to, 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 the key to destroy the power of death is to destroy sin. I've got I've to take the sin out of these balloons. I gotta take the air out of these balloons to conquer death. So, this is what God did. This is so good. This is so good. God so loved the world that He sent Jesus. And some people think it was like, you know, the last ditch effort. God's like, Jesus, you go. No, this is the strategy of heaven that Jesus would come. Now, you know that Jesus came and was sinless. So, no sin attached. Pastor Cameron represents Jesus. He's loving it. No sin could attach itself to Jesus because Jesus had not sinned. But that means death has no power. How can Jesus die if death has no power over him? If he has not sinned, death has no legal right to kill him. Death is fueled by sin. So now Jesus comes as man, but yet without sin. So death cannot kill him. So this is what Jesus does. And we know this is is Jesus took every mistake you've made. Every time you've cursed God. Every time you've done something to grieve his heart. Everything you will do. Every mistake. Every mishap. He took all these things. And I want you to listen to these key words. He disguised himself himself in them. This is really key. This is deeply theological. He disguised himself in sin. Now death thinks, I got him. This, he, tricked, he tricked the devil so bad because the devil was like, oh my gosh, look at him. Look at him with all that sin. Look at him. I got... Death is fueled by sin. And so the devil overplayed his hand, because Jesus, on that cross, when he stretched out his arms and he died with the sin of mankind, the enemy, for real, the enemy thought, I got him. This this is crazy. People think like, oh yeah, Jesus' death, his crucifixion was like, it was a lynching, it was a murder, it was, hold on. No, 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 you don't know my Jesus. Jesus discovered. If he had sinned, death would have had the authority and the power to kill him. But because he had not sinned, he had not sinned, it had no legal authority to do anything to Jesus. So Jesus is disguised in our sin, so death thought it had the chance. And the Bible says, this is what the Bible says, in John chapter, John chapter 10, verse 17, it says, The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down, that is an act of will. I lay down my life. Only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. Nobody takes, nobody has the authority to take it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. So check this out. Jesus dies. How does he die? Oh, they got him. All hell rejoice. Everyone, all the Christians are mourning. Oh, they got him. Mary's weeping. And Jesus is laying there. Woo. Saturday, I mean, he's just chilling. He's chill. People think, like, Jesus finally overcame death. He's fighting in the under earth. Maybe he will come out of the grave. No. Oh. See, sin attached itself to them because they were sinners. Jesus... Attached himself to sin because he was the Savior. That will change your life right there. Wow. Jesus attacked. He wouldn't let it go until death had beat him, until death had crucified him, and death thought it had the upper hand. But when Jesus was laying there, he was just waiting to get up. Death wasn't trying to keep him down. Jesus wasn't trying to break out of death's hold. Death was trying to hold him down because when Jesus decided to get up, it was was time to get up. This is the crazy thing. Because he was sinless, it had no authority to kill him. So Jesus laid down his life for me and for you. This is what 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says. In verse 55, it says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory to our Lord Jesus Christ. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Jesus conquered on the cross. You can stand up with me. Stand up, stand up. We're about done. I, 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 get, too, I get too excited about this. We still got more to go. Everything that tried to hold on to you? He took. You know when you lay up in bed at night mad at yourself for the bad decisions you've made or mistakes you've made? He took these. I'm using a silly illustration of helium balloons to show you that the Savior of the world took all of that stuff that you're stressing about And think that keeps you at a distance from God and the reason that you almost didn't come to Easter Sunday because you thought all of that stuff was against you and between you but Jesus did it once and for all so that me and you could come into his presence at any time he said it's never too late in your practical life and it's never too late in your afterlife I'm gonna make sure that there's no separation when you say yes to Jesus you say yes today but you say yes forever this this, this is the thing death What does it mean that it doesn't have a sting anymore? This is what it means, that death has lost its sting. It means, let's say what Paul said. He said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, which means this. He's also said, to live is Christ, to die what we feared in the past is gain. We have been in the middle of a pandemic and a fear pandemic. Death, death. Death closes this season, but it opens another season because of Jesus. I don't have to fear death anymore. I don't have to fear. I'll grieve, but I don't have to fear. There's two different things. I grieve when I lose a loved one, but I don't have to fear because of Jesus and what he did on the cross. He paid the ultimate price so that we will be forever united with Jesus in paradise. That, friends is the good news of the gospel. It's good news. Thank you, guys. He did not die because he could not help it. He did not suffer because he could not escape. All the soldiers of Pilate's army could not have taken him if he'd not been willing to be taken. They could not have hurt a hair of his head if he'd not given them permission. He gave them permission to trick death, hell, and the grave so that you and I could have life.